0: This podcast hopes to take it a step further and highlight criminal justice reform on a national level. Everyday Injustice Today on Everyday Injustice, we have Boulder, Colorado DA, Michael Doherty. In 2018, Michael had served as an appointed DA and then won on his own right as a reformer. Welcome to our show, Michael. Well, good
1: afternoon. I'm very excited to be on the show. So thank you so much.
0: It's interesting. We've been talking about Colorado a lot in the last few weeks. Uh, there was the vote to end the death penalty by the legislature. And right. I, I was recently in San Francisco and got to see uh, state representative, Leslie Herod uh, speak at a panel on criminal justice reform there. And uh, we were also talking last week with uh, Udi Ofer from uh, the ACLU about uh, a whole host of reforms coming out of Colorado. Kind of exciting times, huh?
1: Well, that's exactly right. It is a really exciting time in criminal justice throughout the country, but also here in Colorado. And I'm enthusiastic about the progress we've made and also excited for the work ahead.
0: So how did you come to end up in Boulder?
1: I... Started my career in New York City and then had moved to Boulder in uh, 2009, and I've been living in Boulder ever since, but we moved out here to start up what was the Justice Review Project, a federally grant-funded project to look for wrongful convictions based on the use of DNA. And we've been in Boulder and in Colorado ever since, and in 2018, when I was elected district attorney, no greater honor in my career than becoming DA of Boulder, and it's a terrific community.
0: And uh, what was the campaign like?
1: Well, the campaign for district attorney, I I thought it was extremely valuable, although a tremendous amount of work, of course, but extremely valuable in that I was both leading the office and running for office at the same time. So that was the part that was a lot of work. But uh, it got me out in the community, and it helped me crystallize the programs and initiatives that I wanted to bring into the office if I had the honor of being elected for the term. And when that happened, I knew that I had the support of the community and the staff to enact innovative programs and try to improve the criminal justice system while also enhancing community safety.
0: And what types of reforms have you been enacting?
1: Well, we have a lot of work left to do. I'll say that at the very start of this answer. But we've been fortunate over the last two years to put in place a number of things. So. We expanded our restorative justice and diversion program by 350%. We started the first pre-charging mental health diversion program in the state of Colorado. So, we have individuals who, when they're either booked into the jail or uh, appear at the first appearance center, as we call it, at the courthouse, they're screened for a mental health disorder, and if they're eligible, we connect them with treatment in the community, and we do not go forward with the prosecution. And I think that's a really innovative approach to helping individuals who have mental health disorders who are in the justice system when what they really need is treatment. We've also changed our approach on drug cases, and I supported the defalinization of low-level possession. So now it's a misdemeanor in the state of Colorado, and we're about to, in the next week or so, roll out a new drug diversion program for anybody who's picked up by the police. Instead of being arrested and brought to the jail, they're going to be diverted out of the justice system if it's a uh, drug possession case. We started a conviction integrity unit, and we did that with the help and partnership of the defense bar, because I want to make sure it's a transparent, effective, and thorough process to look for wrongful convictions in Boulder County. We also set up a moving on from marijuana clinic, because as you're likely aware, marijuana possession is legal in the state of Colorado. However, individuals who are convicted of marijuana-related offenses, for conduct that would otherwise be legal today, still carry with them the collateral consequences that make it difficult to get a job or housing or in school. So we started a clinic to help individuals, and now it's up on our website as well, uh, a motion that they could ask us to file on their behalf with no fee to vacate and seal their conviction. We have an immigrant protection program, which I think is critically important right now to stand up and fight for the immigrants in our community and do everything we can to make sure that justice is done uh, for immigrants involved in our cases and a host of others. But those are the ones that jump to mind. The other one I'll mention, uh, David, is our Fresh Start program. It's a warrant forgiveness program where on two Saturdays in 2019 and a Saturday this coming up, uh, upcoming April, we have the courthouse open for business with the cooperation of the sheriff's office, immigration attorneys, the criminal defense bar, and the courts. And anybody who has a low-level warrant in Boulder County can appear at the Fresh Start event without fear of arrest and either and vacate the warrant, either resolve the case or have it put back on the calendar so they can go on with their lives without driving around or going to work and fearing that they're going to be arrested and taken to the jail. And that's been an incredibly successful program And those are some of the things we've done to try to improve the justice system. Although, as I said at the start of this rather long answer, we have a lot of work left to do, too.
0: So I'm really curious because 10 years ago, nobody knew what restorative justice uh, was. And now uh, you talk to people across the country and everybody's looking to bring in restorative justice programs. Uh, What does your program look like?
1: So, as I mentioned, we've expanded it greatly, and my predecessor was a tremendous district attorney, did a great job building up this office, including starting the Restorative Justice and Diversion Program. We, Our program is uh, designed for adults and juveniles. In fact, last year, we diverted more juveniles out of the system than we actually prosecuted, which I think is pretty uh, noteworthy aspect of our program that we're diverting more juveniles than we're prosecuting. So, we have juveniles and adults, misdemeanors and felonies, and we continue to expand the criteria and level of offense that we'll accept. And although we've expanded it greatly, we still maintain a 92% success rate. And by that, I mean 92% of all the <clears throat> offenders who go through it complete the program and have the case dismissed. So, they don't carry with them the collateral consequences. Also, our recidivism rate. It's far lower than the general recidivism rate for the state of Colorado. So our recidivism rate through our restorative justice and diversion program is 8.9%. And that's the kind of work the Boulder community wants to see us doing, as reflected by the fact that since we survey all the victims in those cases, we have a 99% satisfaction rate from the victims who have their cases go through restorative justice and diversion.
0: Wow. That's an incredible success rate.
1: I agree. And to me, it reinforces the need for us to continue to expand and build upon that success. And really the greatest success we can have is something we can't track, which is how many people do we help get back on the right track and so that they never return to the justice system? How many more serious offenses do we keep from ever happening? And that's something that we always strive to do here, and that's why we continue to put such emphasis and priority. On restorative justice and diversion.
0: Um, so what future things are you looking to do?
1: So we had implicit bias training for all the staff last year through Prosecutor Impact, which is Adam Foss's organization. And we have Adam and his colleague coming back for a three-day training in July of this year. In addition, we're doing a deep dive data analysis to look for any bias or inequities in the justice system uh, we were very fortunate to be selected by the Viera Institute of Justice, so that project is now getting underway. Uh, we just got the good news that we've been selected. So those are two things we're working on for 2020. I'm also very active in the legislature. As you indicated, Colorado's moving in the direction of repealing the death penalty, and it seems like that's going to happen this year, and I've been honored to be a very small part of that effort. And we're involved in other efforts at the legislature to improve and reform the justice system so we have a lot going on throughout the office but i'm very lucky because i work with outstanding people and they're doing all the hard work and they're making this possible
0: so can you talk a little more about the the efforts to repeal the death penalty
1: over the last couple of years there have been a number of efforts to repeal the death penalty last year uh, in fact a bill was introduced to repeal the death penalty unfortunately the senate ended up deciding not to vote on it. However, I had the uh, privilege of testifying in support of the repeal effort. This year, our office was actively, actively involved in the lead up to the repeal effort. Legislation was introduced and our office has participated in that process, providing testimony and support throughout. And now it's passed both the House and the Senate and it's still working its way through. But the major hurdles have been overcome and the governor has indicated that he's willing to sign the bill that would repeal the death penalty, and I I think it's gonna be a very positive step for the state of Colorado, and I'm absolutely thrilled by the progress we've made.
0: And is it true that there are only three people on death row in Colorado? That is correct. Wow, Uh, so, so prosecutors are obviously not seeking the death penalty?
1: Well, that's a good question. I would say prosecutors have not been seeking it, certainly as much as is done in other states. It's still a factor. Prosecutors have sought the death penalty and juries have not returned uh, a death sentence. So even though there are only three individuals on death row, that doesn't mean they've only pursued the death penalty on three occasions, of course. So it's still very much a factor in the analysis and the uh, sensing possibilities for defendants who are charged with murder. But the death penalty has only resulted in three individuals being on death row at this time.
0: And uh, as I understood it, they they're all came from the same high school, right?
1: I believe that's correct. They're all from the same jurisdiction.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Um, and then um, Colorado has uh, a bail reform, but it's, uh, it, it's kind of limited, right?
1: That's correct. So there's still an effort underway to eliminate cash bail for all offenses. And I think that's still going to be a work in progress for a while. There was some progress made last year. Unfortunately, I think our greatest challenge is the funding for pretrial services. So last year, there was a bill introduced that would uh, allow the non-metro jurisdictions. So by non-metro, I mean outside of the Denver metro area. And the further out you go, a lot of those jurisdictions struggle uh, financially. So if we're going to have pretrial services to help individuals who are in the justice system be out in the community, but be able to report back to court and make sure that they're complying with the conditions set by the court. Those jurisdictions need funding to make that happen. And that's still very much a hurdle uh, to this day. Last year, the legislation did not pass that would have provided the funding to those jurisdictions. And this year, I think we're seeing more progress, but uh, there's still a lot of work to be done.
0: So how is your office handling bail at this point
1: So we have a very strong working relationship with the Public Defender's Office, and we actually have regular meetings with the Public Defender's Office, the Sheriff's Office, and various players in the justice system around bond reform. We try to only request bond in cases where it's absolutely necessary and appropriate, and we take snapshots of the jail population at different points to make sure that that's in fact what's happening. And and I think in the next month or so and this will be impacted by whether legislation actually moves forward but regardless of whether legislation moves forward we're going to continue the work that we've already done here in boulder county to advance bond reform by agreeing to release on a number of different offenses and categories
0: so i understand you recently um held a town hall meeting uh on criminal justice reform i'm interested uh in and what you learned from from that experience.
1: Well, one of the best things about being district attorney in a community such as Boulder County is that the people of Boulder County want us to be thoughtful, innovative, and progressive in how we're approaching justice and what we're doing in the justice system to ensure that people are giving, being given a fair chance and a real opportunity to get back on the right track instead of cycling in and out of the jail over and over and over again. <clears throat> The people of Boulder fully understand the damaging aspects of that, and that the system needs to be improved. So through the discussions we have, and I'm out in the community a lot, uh, including the town hall that you're referencing, we continue to hear positive feedback from the community about our efforts to improve the justice system and to reduce the number of times people are encountering or returning to the justice system. So we've held a number of town halls. Uh, We do that on a fairly regular basis because I want to build more trust in the justice system and also let people know what work is going on in the DA's office and in here in the courthouse. Uh, We also had a town hall on race in the criminal justice system and Adam Foss helped with that. And I thought that was a terrific discussion. We had about 400 people from the community there and it just reinforced to me, to us, the importance of us working to ensure that the justice system works for everyone.
0: So, have you faced any obstacles in some of the reforms that you've been making?
1: You know, I've been very fortunate. I think in other jurisdictions, it's been a heavier lift for my colleagues to pursue reform efforts. Here in Boulder, we've done it uh, with the cooperation and the help of law enforcement, the defense bar, the community and the court. And there's a lot of work that goes into it. And I won't say there haven't been challenging conversations. We've certainly had some of those. But overall, all the reforms that I've touched on uh, since we started this conversation have been uh, the subject of great collaboration and support from all those different sectors.
0: And are you starting to see kind of a cultural shift in, in the way prosecutors and maybe law enforcement are viewing criminal justice issues?
1: So I would say that Boulder County was a leader in this area before I arrived. I I don't want to, I don't deserve the credit for it. So I think some of that shift was already underway before I got here. And I think certainly the staff of the district attorney's office recognized that we have a more significant role in the justice system, the community, and the state of Colorado than simply prosecuting cases that come in the door. And the enthusiasm from the staff and the energy that they've provided to these efforts have made any success we've made possible. And I think, uh, overall, the community certainly appreciates that we're trying to be more thoughtful about justice and community safety, but also use of taxpayer dollars. And that when I talk about it in that way, we tend to have really good conversations and buy in from the community about the work we're doing here.
0: And, and why, why do you think there's been such a movement to kind of shift the way that, uh, crime is prosecuted and the emphasis more on programs rather than incarceration?
1: There are a number of reasons why I think as a country, and certainly here in Colorado, that people are recognizing more and more every day that the justice system can be improved. I think one of the easiest things to point to, the low-hanging fruit in that conversation, is the rate of recidivism. I think anyone across the entire spectrum would recognize that for victims, the offenders, the community, and the taxpayers, that we could be doing a better job uh, in terms of rate of reoffense. So for example, in the state of Colorado, roughly 50% of everyone released from state prison is back in state prison within three years. No one can describe that as a, a success. No one could say that's mission accomplished. So whether someone is on one side of the political spectrum or the other, or whether someone has a certain view of Uh, accountability for offenders or another. I think everybody unites behind the idea that we don't want people returning to the justice system over and over and over again. And when you look at that rate of reoffense, or when you look look at someone, for example, who has been booked into the Boulder County Jail 70 times over the last 10 years on all low-level offenses, the individual that I'm talking about has spent 5.7 years of his last 10 in jail and the Boulder County taxpayers have been funding all the resources that go into it. That go into it. So the police on the street, the transport to the jail, the lodging and care, coming to the courthouse, the public defender, the prosecutor, the judge, and so on. Those resources they need to be reallocated to the front end where we put them into behavioral health, substance abuse, mental health and make sure that people aren't returning or even coming to the justice system. And once we break that cycle, we'll be doing a far better job. And I think there's more awareness around that, around the rate of reoffense and recidivism. And that's something I think people have united behind, that the justice system needs to be improved upon. And then also, as another part of it is recognizing that the justice system needs to be fair and equal. And for that to happen, a lot more work has to be done and a lot more reform is needed. Because as long as there are racial inequities in our society, we're going to see them in the justice system, and we certainly do. And trying to build things into place to ensure that's not happening has to be a priority for all of us. Because until it is, the justice system is not just for all. But also, people will not trust the justice system. And what that means to me is that they won't call 911 or cooperate as a witness or come down and be an open-minded juror. They'll have certain perceptions of what the justice system means to them and to different members of the community. And we need to work actively to change that. So I think there's, and those are, the top two reasons in my mind, but there's a number of reasons why people are united behind the effort to improve the justice system.
0: So I'm curious, uh, what do the racial disparities look like in Boulder?
1: Well, that's why I'm so excited to work with the Vera Institute of Justice. I mean, based on the data we have, which is limited, and that's why we sought out Vera, uh, you know, Boulder is a less diverse community than some others I've been in, certainly. So I think one of my greatest concerns is the cases that go unreported, particularly by immigrants in our community. So in the Latino community, people fearing law enforcement and feeling the government, that has a significant impact, a negative impact on people being willing to trust law enforcement or reach out for law enforcement. And I think right now that's one of our greatest challenges. And in terms of uh, inequities that are happening within the system, whether it be charging, diversion, plea offers, sentencing, you name it, that's where the Vera Institute of Justice is going to help us identify and address those issues.
0: Yeah. I know globally, you know, um, studies have looked at racial disparities and what they've found of course, is that at every step of the process from arrest to arraignment to, uh, you know, trials and uh, plea agreements and finally incarceration, Um, you know, people of color end up in the justice system uh, far more uh, and at a far higher rate uh, compared to their percentage of the population. Um, I mean, how do we get at that, I guess, is the key question.
1: The first part is identifying where those disparities are originating from. I mean, not just in terms of us as a society, but within the justice system. Is it what's happening on the street with law enforcement? And I know that's been demonstrated in other jurisdictions. Is it what's happening within the system? And I'm, you know, I'd be naive to say that's not a reality. So identifying where it's originating from and then how to go about addressing it. So the data that we've had, for example, that I looked at most recently was prison admissions. uh, And then being able to share that with the NAACP here in Boulder and other groups and talking about what these numbers mean and also what other areas we want to look at, and that's why the VR project is really important to me, and I feel passionate about it because I think it's going to help us do more of a data-driven effort to advance our reform efforts even further.
0: And do you have any idea over what period of time VR is going to be looking at uh, at that data?
1: I believe it's the year and uh, the last year and a half.
0: Last year and a half. Okay. Um, And then mass incarceration. So how do we get at the overall incarceration levels?
1: Well, to me, first of all, it's about moving resources upstream, so to speak. So doing more in the community, and that's an area that you and I haven't talked about, but we have far too few resources for substance abuse and mental health treatment here in the state of Colorado. And as a state, we need to invest more in our people and more in those efforts to ensure that people don't have to hit the doors of the courthouse or hit the doors of the jail cell to qualify for treatment. That treatment has to be available in the community. And when you talk to people who in their own lives or the lives of their loved ones have mental health struggles, that treatment being available in the community is really a first step to ensuring that some people never even end up hitting the justice system. So I think that's really a part of it. And then beyond that, continuing to expand, as we have, on restorative justice and diversion efforts, and then diverting people out of the system with success such that they never come back. That has to be the key. So when you talk about mass incarceration, to me, it's not just about sentencing, although that's a part of it. It's about what are we doing in early encounters in the justice system? How are we helping people to get to a better place so they don't end up coming back to the courthouse? They don't end up back in a jail cell. They don't end up possibly being exposed to a state prison sentence. That's where a lot of our energy has to be devoted. That's what we've been working on here, and I'm very committed to that, and it's been successful. And by that, I mean, if I look at the data, or when I look at the data from 2013 to 2018 for Boulder County, we, along with the rest of Colorado, have experienced a significant rise in the number of felony filings, But during that time, from 2013 to 2018, we've decreased prison emissions out of Boulder County by 43%. So at a time when the number of felony cases has gone up significantly in Boulder and in the state of Colorado, we in Boulder have reduced prison emissions by 43%. And that's because of not only the front end efforts that are underway here in Boulder County, but also our staff is very thoughtful and the public defender's office and the courts, and we are all united in making sure that we're not just sending people to prison, where that we're looking at cases in each individual case, each individual offender as an individual, and trying to figure out the best possible resolution to that case. And continuing to work on those efforts is really important. And the other thing I would add is making sure that the sensing laws reflect what we believe we need for community safety, while also trying to end mass incarceration. So one example that Representative Herod and I have worked on together is the sensing structure around escapes. So under Colorado law, the an individual who walks away from a halfway house or fails to return to a halfway house by curfew would be prosecuted for an escape. And that's actually one of the top two charges for which women go to state prison an escape from a halfway house. Now by escape, I don't mean people digging a tunnel and going under the prison walls and coming out the other side, the stuff of movies. What I mean is someone who's either dealing with family issues or substance abuse or both, and they're not coming back to the halfway house on time or at all. And that's been the main driver of women going to state prison over the last couple of years here in the state of Colorado. So Representative Herod, with my full support, has introduced a bill this legislative session that would change the sensing structure around escape, thereby reducing the number of people who go to state prison as a result. And that's just one example of what we're doing on the sensing side to make sure that we're reducing the number of people who go into state prison. And what I truly believe we need in the state of Colorado is a sensing task force that would work over the next year to change the sensing structure within the state of Colorado to ensure that Reducing mass incarceration and doing a far better job of reaching the right outcome
0: I am wondering a little bit about why the uh, felony filings are going up It's a
1: good question, and it's throughout the state of Colorado and it's been over the last five years. I think there are three main reasons that I point to one is there's been population growth in the state of Colorado. A lot of people recognize this is a fantastic place to live I mean it really is an amazing place so we've had a Uh, a real increase in population in the state of Colorado over the last 10 years. Second, the drug epidemic, which, as you know, even though we could defelonize drug possession, uh, too often drug addiction can drive individuals to engage in other criminal conduct to feed the addiction because they're caught in the throes of it. So we see property offenses going up as well. So whether it's someone stealing a bike or stealing a package off a porch, what have you, they're doing it to feed the addiction. And if they had substance abuse treatment earlier, perhaps we're not even seeing them engage in that kind of conduct. So I think drug addiction is part of it. And then the third part is the rate of reoffense. So I think until Colorado does a better job reducing the likelihood of reoffense, along the lines of what we've already talked about, I think we'll continue to see that increase in felony filings. So here in the DA's office in Boulder County, we've seen an increase in felony filings. Perhaps most concerning is the increase in violent assaults as a part of that uh, overall increase. And then we've also seen an increase in misdemeanors and traffic cases. So I think just overall, we've seen an additional uh, spike in every area in terms of every crime category here in Boulder County, and that's consistent with the rest of the state.
0: And then finally, uh, we haven't talked a lot about policing. Um, Are you guys having issues with policing? And how are you dealing with police accountability issues?
1: Well, that's a great question. We currently are going through, I think, a time of transition in policing here in Boulder County. The Boulder Police Department has just gone through a leadership change. So we had uh, the Boulder Police Chief retired last year. There was an interim chief appointed. And now the city of Boulder has just announced a new police chief, and she'll be starting in April, and she'll be the first female police chief in Boulder, uh, city of Boulder, excuse me, which is terrific. And I look forward to working with her, and she comes from uh, Cincinnati, and she's had a a great background, and she's very committed to criminal justice reform and working hard for the the community. So we're looking forward to working with her. And we also have another longtime police chief who's going to be retiring in May of this year. So we're really in a time of transition and working closely with law enforcement to ensure that we're doing the very best we can for the community. And there've been a lot of efforts underway in terms of improving training and improving communication and ensuring that we're doing the right thing for the people of Boulder County.
0: And I should have asked this earlier, but how many people live in Boulder County?
1: So in Boulder County, there are 300,000 residents.
0: 300,000, okay. Pretty similar to my county. Um, I I live in Yolo County in California, which is where UC Davis is. So, um, right, very similar.
1: Right, because we have the University of Colorado Boulder is here, uh, just down the street from the office. And you know, being a college town also presents different dynamics. And it's a fantastic university. And a really sizable one. So we have a close working relationship with the university. We're at the fraternities, the sororities, we speak with the sports teams, and we're trying to maintain a regular presence and uh, cooperation with the campus.
0: Well, I want to thank you for coming on our show. It uh, seems like a real exciting time uh, to be talking about uh, criminal justice reform in Colorado. A lot going on, a lot going on locally, it sounds like, too.
1: That is definitely true. And it's my honor to be district attorney and especially at a time that is exciting and transformative as right now here in the state of Colorado and also throughout the nation and a real privilege to be on your show. So thank you so much for inviting me to talk with you today.
0: Thank you. That was Michael Doherty from uh, Boulder, Colorado. He's the district attorney just elected in 2018. He had been appointed to uh, replace the previous district attorney This has been Everyday Injustice. I am your host, David Greenwald. Join us again next time for more discussion of the criminal justice reform movement.